No. By the time Isella was 19, she was anything but naive. She was deadly. Hmm. You look menacing, my dear. Who are you off to challenge today with your ruthless genies? Thank you, mother. Isella bowed with an amused glint to her eye. I don't know, actually. They only told me to dress for dark and stealth. The favorite sighed indulgently, content with her daughter's black garb of sash tunic and trousers. A turban scarf hung over one shoulder and the sickle sword was worn with obvious comfort. This daughter would never be a threat to the favorite's place in their sultan's eye. She shifted a bit on her pillows, careful not to spill the wine from the chalice in hand. When will you return? No specific time has been mentioned, Isella answered cautiously. Have you something in mind for later, mother? A rather sarcastic smile marred the olive beauty of the favorite's countenance. Not I, my love, but the omnipotent one has summoned me for discussion, and it will concern you as his daughter. For a moment, Isella considered that. Then as bracelets jangled with her mother's impatience, she forced a pleasant tone in response. Should I attend the audience or await your return here? The tension visibly melted from her mother's curvaceous figure and a genuine smile surfaced. In a voice almost gentle, the favorite suggested, Attendance might be more suitable. Then I shall be there. However, you do have plenty of time for your sword work this morning. He's not expecting us until after his midday rest. Isella bowed again, hand atop the hilt of that sickle sword. The weapon had a smooth, cool feel to it, and it helped to steady her nerves as she departed. That there were no teasing comments or tittering giggles as she passed through the inner court today was not noticed. The almost stone-hard cast to her features deterred the women's jesting. Dark eyes that normally sparkled with amusement and tolerance glared at an unnameable foe and obliterated any softness the round beauty of her face might have offered. Today, no one of the inner court or the outer gardens dared to interrupt that swift stride and many hurried to step aside from it. She entered the small orchard and from habit secured the brown waves of her hair beneath the turban. She was intent only on gaining the privacy of the training field beyond the fruit trees. Inside, she was torn between anger and exasperation. Her father's sudden interest in her obviously meant a marriage contract was under negotiation. Her mother would not have termed this afternoon's summons as a discussion if the sultan's interest had been of a more personal nature. It was somewhat understandable. At this time, she was the only unwed princess by his favorite, youngest full sister to the heir, and she was still a virgin. Bundled that all together, and she suddenly made a very appealing prize, even if she was a bit old by most marital standards. Damn him! She'd almost gotten to be too old! Another year or two and she would have been safely, acceptably spinstered among the veiled swords. A valuable commodity in that role as the heir perceived it. She'd have retained a home even after the sultan's eventual death. But the sultan himself probably had forgotten all about her training. At that last thought, Azella nearly laughed. Admit her prowess with swords and knives to her father now? She'd do best not to even remind him of any training at this point. It would make her unmarriageable in the eyes of many, and the sultan was not one to tolerate anyone spoiling his grand plans. She fancied neither torture nor death from his wrath, although depending on his choice of suitors, she realized she might be facing something very akin to either. 2. Someone should do the fighting for you. You're no good at it, as I tell you time and again. Ouch. Hold still. I have to clean this before I bandage it. You know that. The woman ground her teeth shut and tried not to flinch as the doctor dabbed at her shoulder again. The shaggy shoulder length of her hair was still damp from the rains outside, but the braziers glared bright in the marble hall and there was no wind to sweep drafts in through the open portico. He finished with his pat patting and set to bandaging. Her gray eyes went flint hard as she sucked in the air. She was ignored. His touch wasn't any gentler. Replace your captain. Then I won't have to do this anymore. Liar, she muttered. What's that? 
He peered over her bruised and skinned shoulder, his round spectacles perched high on his nose. I called you a liar, she hissed suddenly from the pain, jerking forward uncontrollably. You patched me up even when the hun guarded me. A scoffing grunt ended his ministrations, and he folded his things away as he shook his head. When are you going to listen, Kiesh? You're a magician, a sorceress beyond repute. I won't contest it. But it's sheer folly to touch a blade. You barely have the fundamentals in grasp. You don't have the time, woman. You can't study sword and sorcery. There aren't enough hours in a day to be proficient at both. And I don't pretend to be proficient in swordsplay, my friend. She gingerly shrugged back into the loose-wrapped tunic of white. Furthermore, I have never wanted to be. I don't want to be. I'm never going to be. Then why do you persist in... Blazes, Adam! I can't help it sometimes. So find a decent captain for your guard. I have a decent captain. What I need is a companion. 